The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Hi, I'm former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. So uh, we're joined by uh, Griff, BuffaloRumblings.com staff writer, draft writer extraordinaire. Uh, We mentioned all of the, we went through round by round each pick, thoughts on the pick. Um, As far as... We went into each pick pre in, in in depth. What was the most head scratching pick that you had when during the draft you you were like really like uh, that doesn't seem to fill a need or doesn't seem to maybe fit value or anything from that perspective? You're writing about each pick. Which one was the uh, the most head scratching where you didn't see uh, you didn't see necessarily at the at the time? Obviously, you've had time to digest, but at the time it, it just seemed to be the most uh, the most head-scratching pick at, uh, of the draft. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with uh, Bills fans on this one or the, the Bills fans consensus on this one, uh, I should say, and say uh, Terrell Bernard. Um, you know, once you read up more on what he can do and, and you know, you watch his tape, it, it becomes more, you know, explainable uh, or more reasonable um, from, from that perspective. But, you know, the third round is a valuable round um, where you can get contributors and not just backup players. And for now, you know, Bernard seems like a backup player, um, you know, because his, his skill set is so much, so much overlapping with, with Milano. And, you know, that selection could have been used for a guy like um, Jeremy Ruckert, you know, the tight end out of, out of Ohio state um, as like a number two, you know, better number three tight end, somebody who, somebody who could actually have contributed um, this year, or it could have been used for Calvin Austin, who, you know, offers a little bit more of a, a deep threat at the wide receiver position than, than, you know, even Khalil Shakir does. Um, so I think that that selection was definitely the most questionable for me. You know, you can sell it 
to yourself and and you can you can buy what the what the bills you know were kind of going for there and what Brandon Bean was going for there but that was the that was the um main selection where I was kind of like eh I get it but you know there were there were other good options uh right around that pick there's no way that they would make him cuz they've done this with players before like change his body to add an extra 10 15 maybe even 20 pounds to become a potential tweener between a middle linebacker and, you know, weak side linebacker, like a, like an in-between Milano and Edmonds. I mean, I know he doesn't have the height of Edmonds. Almost nobody does, but uh, you think that there's any chance that they look at him and say, Hey, like he's got the run stopping capability. He's just lacking, you know, the girth. And they've done that with players in the past. They, you know, like AJ Epinesa on the other side of him, making him lose weight. Uh, could you see them potentially doing that for Terrell Bernard? And we're talking about like in any way, shape or form, he becomes a middle linebacker. Is it, is that just like, that's off the table. Like he just doesn't have the, the traits to become that guy. Even if, even if the defensive tackles up front are leave him a clean, you know, uh, are able to clear blockers away and give him a straight shot. Like he just, he just, you know, doesn't have that, that feel or, or sense of uh, position for you, even if he was slightly bigger. Yeah, that's, that's the thing is it's, it's not just about his body type, um, which, you know, I think you can mold to a certain extent, you know, you could, you could add another 10 pounds um, to him and make him a little bit more girthy, but obviously that'll take away from his coverage ability. Um, so it's, it's not just about the, it's not just about his body type though. It's about his, his skill and, you know, play style and, you know, you take a guy that, you know, never, or I shouldn't say never, but like, doesn't take, take on, you know, guards, doesn't take on blockers, doesn't hold them off with their one arm, and then, you know, makes the tackle with his other arm. Like, it's difficult to take those guys as, you know, as, you know, Tremaine Edmonds himself has shown a lot, you know, a fair amount. Um, it's difficult to take those guys and then teach them to be like, oh, no, you're going to be a middle linebacker now. And also you're going to, you're going to face centers and guards and you're going to have to learn how to, how to, you know, stack them and shed them. You know, not that the, that's what the bills ask a lot of, of Edmonds and their middle linebacker, but it's, but like, you know, like I said, it's not just, a, it's not just a body transformation. It's also just a, a, a linebacker mentality transformation. Gotcha. So almost impossible. That's good to know. Um, you know, that's what, that's why I have Jan Griff to explain these things to me and the listeners. Uh, so that was, I, I'm with you. I'm with Bill's fans. That was the most head scratching pick because like you said, a third round pick, you would think this is the ability to have a potential starter, a guy that can see the field, not just like a, like I said, said before, break glass in case of emergency. Like I want a potentially like, Hey, if you're going to get that, that, that slot receiver, maybe get a, a, a slightly more uh, talented one, or maybe someone that's seen a higher level of competition than Khalil Shakir, you know, that sort of thing. Um, uh, so yeah, that's I, I'm in the same boat as Bills fans. Would I would I have liked Luke Tenuta to be potentially a guard prospect and a tackles prospect for sure? I, I I'm with Bills fans who rank that as as second, um, but but for sure Terrell Bernard uh, was the most questionable or maybe the most head scratching pick at the time. Um, but you know, as Bills fans, we find a way to justify everything that Brandon Bean does because we trust the process. So. Uh, we we went through all the positions that the Bills drafted and what positions now you've kind of alluded to it in the description of guys that were potentially available in round four. What position did the Bills not draft any players at that you kind of wish that they did 
in coming away with, you know, through the 2022 draft? Yeah, I I kept thinking, um, and so did a lot of our, our Buffalo Rumblings uh, writers and, and contributors, we kept thinking that interior O-line was going to be a selection at, at a certain point. You know, I think Dylan Parham was sitting out there um, for quite a while, and we were kind of saying, okay, you know, maybe they'll take him in the, maybe they'll take him in the third, maybe they'll... Uh, trade up and take him in the fourth, you know, with one of the, with a couple of the six round picks, you know, interior O-line, you know, not just, not just Parham, but like interior O-line was definitely a, an area that we thought the team might address because the only, the only backup guard that they have now is Cody Ford and Ike Bucker, who's coming out off of injury. So, you know, there's definitely room there for, uh, some sort of you know long term backup, maybe a guy, even a guy that could develop into a into a starter, um, because Roger again, you know, it's not just it's not just backup. It's Roger Saffold's only signed for one year, so you know you need you know the thought being you need some sort of other guard prospect to be able to to carry us into not just you know as a backup this year, but potentially a starter down the line. So interior O line was one, um, tight end was another one. Um, I think because um, you kind of sense where Ken Dorsey and where the offense is going in terms of uh, wanting to run more two tight end sets and obviously recognizing that OJ Howard is only signed for one year um, and literally no tight ends are signed at this point signed in 2023. Like the, there, there will be no tight ends in the tight end room in 2023 um, for the bills at this point. Um, so, you know, the, the, the kind, the, that, that, that type of need was almost, um, was almost, you know, it's almost going to be screaming for the team next year. You know, now this is assuming they don't resign anyone, you know, resign Dawson Knox, but, uh, you know, that's, that you almost have to have a contingency. And so, you know, backup tight end was, was de- definitely a position. And obviously, you know, Tommy Sweeney hasn't earned, um, you know, necessarily anything, um, on this team. So, as, as the third tight end. So um, there was definitely room there for, for another addition um, for the team, you know, so, uh, and then, you know, beyond that backup safety, you know, there was, there was a little bit of room there. Obviously Jordan Poyer's having his um, uh, contract tiff. Couldn't tell, call it a tiff at this point. Um, so there's maybe room for a future, you know, developmental safety, the Bills might consider Demar Hamlin or Jaquan Johnson is in that role, maybe. Um, so that's maybe less less so, but definitely interior O line and, and backup tight end. Yeah, I mean, I loved everything you just mentioned. I mean, we drafted a tight end a couple of weeks ago too, um, and I at the time that you went after it, I, I was like, yeah, this this makes complete sense based on exactly what you said. The fact that the no tight ends. Uh, our signed pass this season and Tommy Sweeney. I mean, no, no offense against Tommy Sweeney, but like, he's just there by default. The bills just never drafted anyone or brought anyone in. I mean, they just, they just don't have anyone better. Um, uh, and this was a potential uh, year that they could have gotten someone better. Uh, I remember. So, in, so the tight end is one of them. My biggest thing for sure was interior offensive line for all of the reasons you just said, Roger Saffold only being on a one-year contract, and then the depth behind them is just so questionable. Cody Ford, you just got to hope that he he's in a contract year too, but you got to hope that he somehow finds a way to become something he's never been in the past three years with the Bills. Now, Brandon Bean mentioned at the press conference, he, they have not given up on Cody Ford. He's had a, a lot of 
this is the first off season where he hasn't had surgery um, due to injury. So, you know, this is a good start for him. To me, I'm not willing to count anything on Cody Ford because we haven't seen anything yet. He was supposed to be a tackle prospect and he wasn't good enough for that. So then they thought, well, we'll, we'll move him in for guard, whatever. Then that wasn't good enough um, at this point. At this point, we'll see what happens. But for everything you just mentioned, um, I wanted them to take an uh, interior offensive line. I've wanted them to take one for two seasons, to be quite honest. You and I and Dan Lavoie talked last season when the Bills went back-to-back defensive end. And you love Carl Bat- Carlos Basham Jr. I get it. You took him in the first round of the mock draft. He went to the second round. I completely get it. But this Terrell Bernard pick, especially when you mentioned Dylan, Par- or Dylan Parham, um, the he's from Memphis, Memphis, right? The interior offensive line from, from Memphis. Um him dropping to the third round and the fourth round. And you're thinking to yourself, like this reminds me of last season when Cree Humphrey dropped to the second round and you're like, the bills can take him. And instead they doubled up on defensive end. And you're like, man, like he ended up being a pretty decent rookie in the NFL, uh, starting in front of Patrick Mahomes. Like, you know, and I'm not against doubling up on defensive ends. That's not my point here. Um, just Carlos Basham Jr. just never really made the field a whole lot last season. And what could you have done with a starter? Potentially, maybe Ryan Bates would never have had to see the field, and you would have Ryan Bates as your backup right now. And that's an amazing backup depth piece option at this point. Um, so I was really upset at that, especially, like you said, the Terrell Bernard pick could have been an interior offensive line that maybe he doesn't see the field just like Terrell Bernard won't see the field. Um, but at the same point, I don't know. I'm just I'm just much more worried about the depth. But then again, I've also been worried about the linebacker depth for a couple of seasons too. Even with A.J. Klein, I never thought he was just a long-term answer. Um, and obviously he wasn't, but uh, he was good depth at the time. So safety, like you said, I was kind of surprised that they didn't draft one uh, as far as, you know, like you said, like the kind of tiff that's going on with Jordan Poyer. Uh, I... I like Jaquan Johnson a lot. Um, He is the official backup of the Circling Wagons podcast because I like him a lot. But, you know, he's not Jordan Poyer. I mean, he's just not. I mean, I don't think I don't think even Jaquan Johnson would say he's Jordan Poyer at this point. There's that he's a Jordan Poyer was a first team all pro. Um, I kind of think and I want to get your thoughts on this. I know it doesn't have directly to do with the draft, but this is offseason talk we're getting into. And uh, I mean, does this kind of lead you to believe that it's possible that one of two things happened. Jordan Poyer gets extended now because Brandon Bean said it wasn't going to happen until after the draft that he would think about it, that Jordan Poyer gets that one-year extension or whatever he gets, and uh, or he just makes him you know, play on the contract, and it's you know, potentially Jordan Poyer sits out training camp. Yeah, well, it's a you know, it's it is it does relate to the draft, right? Um, because it's it's how does the draft affect free agency? How does the draft affect um, you know, players that, that are becoming free agents and that you, that you have to resign. And, you know, based on how the draft shook out, maybe Brandon Bean goes to Poyer and says, okay, you know, we didn't find any, you know, obviously you wouldn't say this verbatim, but like, you know, we did, we didn't find any, any safety replacements for you. Um, you know, maybe Benford or maybe, you know, we have faith in, in, you know, uh, Jaquan Johnson or, or DeMar Hamlin to, to replace you. But, um, you know, we're not willing to bet that. So, you know, here's a, here's a decent contract worth signing. Um, I think that's definitely a possibility. And, and that's something that you, you know, Bills fans may have to keep track of in the next, in the next month or two of, you know, just how does the draft affect, um, players the team wants to resign? Not only, 
you know, Poyer, but also, you know, Edmonds and Singletary. Um, because obviously, you know, Singletary um, was going to be is is going to be free free agent after the season. Edmonds is going to be a free agent after the season. So, you know, the team wasn't able to replace, wasn't able to back up Edmonds or find a good Ed, Edmonds replacement, I would say, um, in this draft. And although, you know, Singletary, for Singletary, you know, in Singletary's situation, obviously, you know, James Cook isn't a one-to-one Singletary replacement. I think he's less so over of an actual traditional running back. But, um, you know, does his offensive contributions kind of supersede um, and youth supersede Singletary. So, you know, it's interesting to see how the actual selections in the 2022 20, uh, draft affect free agency is going to be, you know, obviously a storyline in the next couple months. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we talked about Buffalo Bills fans looking at this draft, giving it 80% of them were a B plus or an A. Uh, where do you come out on this draft uh, overall? What, what grade would you give that? Yeah, I would give it a, a B or, or a B plus. Um, you know, there's definitely you, you, a lot of the picks you, you could see the, uh, where they were going. You know, I think Elam, we, we, as we had talked about, obviously there were, there were concerns about, um, you know, selecting, um, Andrew Booth and, you know, just how the board fell. There weren't any reasonable selections at like wide receiver, um, or a couple of the other needs that the, that the team had. So that's, you know, perfectly reasonable. Um, Cook. As, as I mentioned, was a little bit overdrafted, I would say, in my opinion. He was more of a third-round prospect. Um, but trading down twice in the second round kind of made up for that um, and getting those extra picks that t- then turned into, you know, one of whom turned into Matt Ariza. Um, so that's perfectly reasonable. And then, you know, the ter- Terrell Bernard was a bit of a head-scratcher. Um, Khalil Shakir, though, w- kind of made up for that, and in- that was a bit of a coup. Um, so, you know, I think it all balanced out to be kind of a B plus B B draft, um, for the team and that, you know, there was no, you know, oh my God, this guy is, you know, I can't believe this guy fell to the bills. Um, he's going to be a star type type selection, but there was no other like, eh, head scratcher. This guy didn't really deserve it. What were they thinking? Um, type selection. So I, I'd have to go with a pretty safe B plus, you know, B. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you right there. I, I give the draft a, a B plus um, for all the mention. I mean, we started at the top. You, you, you put it, you know, perfectly where like the bills only went in with a couple of needs. They, they address those needs and everything is gravy on top. But I mean, if we're nitpicking, yeah, sure. You know, like some of these players I could see, I would have liked a specific t- player projected. Um, would I like Luke Tenuta to have been, like I said, a, a guard tackle hybrid? Absolutely. <laughs> Something that could have been either or specifically an offensive tackle uh, for sure. Um, but then again, you know, maybe it's like a Jack Anderson last year where the guy gets poached off our practice squad. So we don't get a chance to develop him anyway. Um, by the way, I, I forgot to mention this uh, earlier when we talked about Luke Tenuta is that at Brandon Bean's press conference, and I don't know um, if you've ever heard uh, Brandon Bean talk this way, Griff, but um, I mentioned earlier, I love Brandon Bean's press conference because he's so forthcoming and he seems to be such a straight shooter. I mean, he won't give you any more information. He won't tell you exactly, like he won't tell you who's on his board, of course, but um, this press conference specifically, he brought up Wyatt Teller, which I've never really heard him talk about Wyatt Teller. And he was very open and honest in saying that that was a mistake. Another Virginia Tech guy. He he was another late round guy. He didn't let him develop. And the guy that was the uh, the offensive line coach at the time, I don't know if that was Bobby Johnson at that point or it was before Bobby Johnson. 
um, might have been Juan Castillo for all I know. Um, but he would, the, the guy didn't really necessarily see him as a fit for their offense. So they traded him to the Browns. He's like, that was a mistake. He's like, I learned from it. He's like, you know, uh, and the only reason he really brought it up, I believe was because Luke Tinder is another Virginia tech guy. Um, uh, I don't believe he was specifically asked that question. So I, I really appreciated Brandon Bean being open and honest about that, admitting mistake, especially in that industry where guys' egos are just off the chart. You know, like these guys think that they're the the, the next biggest thing or that they're uh, deserving of so much more even than where they've gotten. Like they're just, I mean, you have to have an ego. You have to think that you're good at that level. Just like Josh Allen, as much as he seems humble, I mean, he has to think that he's that good to have, you know, sent a thousand applications to different, you know, coaches around, you know, for division one coaches and offensive coordinators to get, like, you have to think you're good. You have to believe in yourself. Uh, but I just wanted to say that I appreciated the fact that he was open and honest. He's like, I made a mistake there. He's like, looking back at, he's like, would I have liked to have Wyatt Teller back? Of course I would. Um, <laughs> you know, it's easy to see now. Um, so, so yeah, B plus, um, would I have liked some of these players to, to have gone a different way? Sure. Would I have liked Terrell Bernard to be maybe a middle linebacker, uh, prospect as opposed to like more of like a Matt Milano, uh, backup piece? Um, sure. Um, but I think we're, I'm getting kind of nitpicky if I think about it because, uh, you know, I, I think that they got a lot of players and, you know, they, there's not a whole lot of players where I'm just like, they shouldn't have taken that player whatsoever. And then, you know, we could have taken it. I would have loved a tight end, like I mentioned. Um, but you know, they, they still had eight picks and I feel like, uh, I feel like there's not a whole lot of picks I would have just thrown out and like, oh, they could have gotten a tight end there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like the pick. I like the, the draft overall, of course, as, as most Bills fans did, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see where these guys end up going in training camp. Uh, this is a very deep roster for the Buffalo Bills from a starting uh, standpoint and uh, a lot of great depth pieces that they have all the way around. And you know what? You know, you and I talked, Griff, about, you know, players or positions that we wish the Bills had taken. I mean, there's no saying, obviously, you know, we'd like them a year earlier, but if the Bills don't end up signing Tremaine Edmonds, could they take a middle linebacker in the first, second, or third round next year? Sure. You know, maybe he won't be as good or whatever. He won't have a year of experience, but, you know, it's potentially maybe they don't get their guard this year. Maybe they go in the second or third round next year. All of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden we have this, this starter on the up other side and then they pick up a six round you know you never know uh a tight end prospect maybe they sign dawson knox plot twist maybe they sign oj howard um i don't know <laughs> you probably dawson knox but you know they could get that depth piece again next season so uh you know we're, we're being picky but you know at the same time you know there's there's a lot to like about this draft and uh and i see it from that standpoint so i've taken up a ton of your time griff um but um are there any undrafted guys that have been, no, we're, we're, we're recording this on a Sunday after the draft. Um, are there any undrafted guys that you've seen that you've really liked that the bills have picked up so far? I know there's, there's more time for them to pick up uh, these guys and, and whatnot. Uh, are, are there any guys that stood out to you so far? Uh, not really other than Weidermeyer, um, you know, the, the tight end out of Texas, Texas A&M, um, you know, he tested so poorly during the the draft process that you almost have to wonder what the cause of that was um, because his tape is at least draftable, Um, you know, in terms of his catching ability, real soft hands, um, really good, like agility ability to like navigate, you know, through the open field, which is actually a very underrated ability for, um, for pass catchers. Um, But you almost have to wonder like, you know, what, what nobody, I think his RAS score was one, 
which is, you know, some sort of, some sort of record. Um, but, uh, you almost have to wonder why that is and, you know, whether, and, and it's up to the bill staff to either get him into, um, you know, training and get him into the weight room enough to like squeeze out as much as, as much athletic talent as possible or straight up convert him to a Lee Smith style blocking tight end because he does have that ability. Um, he does have good size. He does have, you know, like the perfect frame for, for a blocking tight end. So, you know, you kind of wonder about that. Um, or you wonder, wonder whether he actually has more athletic ability and he just didn't train pre-draft and he need that kick in the pants to, to realize, Oh, you know, I'm not going to get, you know, everything gifted towards me and I should probably um, prepare to be in the NFL, um, from an athletic training perspective. Um, so he, he's definitely the one that, that fascinates me the most. Um, and obviously, you know, like we had talked about is there's, there's, there's plenty of room for, you know, backup tight ends, you know, number two, tight end, number three, tight end um, on the bills roster. So, you know, I think he's, he's definitely one to watch. So it's possible, like, I mean, if, if, as long as it's something that the bills can coach and maybe it was like a lack of concentration or focus during that draft process, process, I'm sorry, process, um, could that be a potential Tommy Sweeney replacement if, like you said, he's got the, the catching ability. Um, he looks decent enough on tape where he could have been drafted. I mean, Tommy Sweeney was a seventh-round draft pick. This is his fourth season in, with the Buffalo Bills. He missed a season due to COVID, obviously. But, um, you know, I mean, it, offhand, I mean, it's it's too early to tell. But just like traits-wise, could you see him as a number three tight end over Tommy Sweeney That is as, as so far as we've seen? Yeah, one hundred percent. He's he's actually very similar to to Sweeney in that you know he has the frame. He he you know he's not a he's not an explosive athlete or he's not you know he doesn't have that that type of pass catching athleticism. But you know does he have the frame to develop into a you know blocking tight end? And then and then you know assuming that happens, does he have the ability to you know at least be like an outlet pass catcher for? for Allen, you know, in, in like the shallow zones, that type of, you know, that type of area, that's, that's definitely possible. Um, and so, you know, he's one that I would, I would, you know, uh, that I'm interested to watch during, you know, training camp and preseason. So now we're officially, officially into the off season. Um, we're, we're gearing towards training camp. Um, it's only a couple of months away, which is crazy that, uh, it feels like it hasn't stopped ever since, you know, September of last season, right? Or even training camp of last season. This the the cycle goes on for contributors like yourself, writers like yourself that are, you know, writing constantly, breaking down film. Obviously appreciate it. Um, appreciate you coming on. When you look at this training camp that's gonna come, this is my last question, I promise. When you look at this training camp that's gonna come, is there a storyline, you know, maybe sans maybe it's draft picks, probably not. But like, is there a storyline where you look at like, man, I am really excited to see how X is going to play out. Like maybe not necessarily a player, maybe a scheme or the offense under Ken Dorsey, something like that. Like what is, what is your biggest uh, storyline that you're going to be watching intently in July when training camp starts? Yeah. So, and is it, is it unfair to say Punta Palooza um, <laughs> part two, electric boogaloo? Um, so no, I I won't go with that. Um, so, uh, I would say, I would have to say how the, um, wide receiver room is going to shake out. Um, because, you know, we still have Marquez Stevenson, 
you know, there's still there's still some some more uh, depth. Isaiah guys. Hodgins, Isaiah Hodgins, Isaiah Hodgins right? Exactly. Hasn't seen the field. Um, hasn't seen the field. I think you know he's. I think you know uh, it's it's his last year, and I think his time's running out. But um, you know how the wide receiver room is going to shake out. Um, does does I, Isaiah McKenzie carve out more of a role for him in the passing game? Um, does Khalil Shakir show up to training camp more developed than we think he will be? Um, what you know, what's his role look like um, in terms of the passing game? That's going to be that's going to be super interesting um, during training camp, the preseason. Um, and similarly, I would have to say the running back room. You know, it's it's like Lord of the Flies. Um, it, it, what that what that room is going to look like? You know, does does is Cook just a just a passing back? Does does you know, the team just bring him on on third down when they need, you know, when they need some punch in the passing game um, or, or the red zone. Does Singletary, you know, continue to be basically essentially the lead back? Um, does Zach Moss come into training camp, you know, ready to win the number two running back spot or the number one running back spot? You know, is he has has he carved out a role for himself? Does Duke Johnson, you know, look more impressive as a as a veteran? Um, compared to some other players, you know, that, that's going to be, that's going to be interesting. Um, and then, you know, I think in terms of specific players, I would like to see Spencer Brown come into training camp and really solidify himself at right tackle because, um, you know, he has, he has all the athletic talent in the world and the feet and the capability to actually, you know, be a long-term starter at right tackle um, he just didn't display it a lot last year, and I'm looking for major improvements this year. Very cool, very cool. As long as, as much as we want to say the Matt versus Matt, the Punapalooza, the Punt God versus, uh, I don't know what you want to call Matt Hot, probably not the Punt God, but whatever it was. I love, I love all those things you mentioned. I'm really excited to see all those things. I might even throw. Um, you covered a lot, man. You I might even throw in like the defensive tackles, like how they perform compared to having Starlet Tulele and Harrison Phillips there, uh, at Oliver and, uh, you know, a, a, just a, a bevy of, you know, we had Jordan Phillips a couple of, of seasons ago and he was the starter. And then he became kind of, became less of a starter as Ed Oliver took over, um, in his, what was that? It was that his rookie season. I believe that was his rookie season. Or, or second season, whatever it was. And then, you know, now Jordan Phillips is almost like the second or third guy on the depth chart. I'm a defensive tackle. I'm really excited to see that. Um, Griff, this has been a, a ton of fun. Um, you've lended out so much of your time. You've written so many great articles. Um, appreciate all that you've done, you know, for the podcast and, uh, and all the insight that you did. This is truly, like I said, I'm not even lying when I say this is one of my favorite conversations because it, it takes an hour and a half and more, and it feels like it's been like 20 minutes. This was, this was great. Appreciate you coming on. Where can they find – obviously, they can find your work at buffalorumblings.com. He is Griff. You will see it. I believe it's an underscore G, right, Griff? You haven't capitalized it yet, right? <laughs> that is true. Um, I don't know why, but, uh, yes, it's, it is undercase G. <laughs> and where can they find you on Twitter? Because you definitely deserve more followers as, as much as, you know, you, you, you talk draft and, you, and you're writing about it nonstop and you cover free agency. It's not just, you know, just the draft, but, uh, but uh, where can they find you on Twitter? Yes. For God's sakes, I need more Twitter followers <laughs> and it's at a Griff four, two, six, a Griff four, two, six. Now it's kind of like, I will say uh, having more Twitter follows is, is an amazing thing. I appreciate anyone 
and everyone that wants to follow us for whatever reason. But, you know, it's just like, you know, Notorious BIC said, you know, more money, more problems. It's more, more followers, more problems. You get a lot more people saying exactly what they feel about you. So um, it's, it's definitely fun. He, you absolutely deserve more followers. Um, Dan Lavoy, uh, definitely follow Dan uh, on Twitter. I, I think it's Dan underscore R underscore Lavoy, I believe as much. We've had Dan on um, in the past couple of seasons along with Griff. Um, but obviously, you know, just, just recently having a baby, he's busy. He's got enough on his plate between, you know, a regular job, writing for the site, having a baby. He doesn't need to spend all this time like we have. But uh, but like I said, Griff, man, it's, uh, it's absolutely a pleasure to have you on. Um, if you ever want to come on in the off season just to talk uh, in general about the Buffalo Bills, you just email me. We will set something up. And uh, and like I, I've talked with Jeff, I've talked with Sean. I mean, I talk with Anthony, you know, oh, you know, off and on all the time, just in general over DM. Um, Buffalo Rumbling site writers are, you guys are just, uh, it's just like a different breed. It's just like, it's just like a, such a fun conversation, such a fun group of guys. I'm on the Slack channel with you guys. I'm reading what you guys are writing during the draft. It is a fun time. Appreciate being a part of you guys. And uh, yeah, you're always welcome on. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Nate. It's always fun. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs> Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.